May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Well, I bet uh, Santa Claus wasn't the only one who spent the month of December making a list and checking it twice. Uh, I'm sure your children have checked their Christmas lists more than once or twice this year. Uh, if yours are any like, anything like mine, then they've probably been revised about five times by now. I hope, really hope Santa Claus got the right list. Um, make for an interesting morning. Um, the the, the adults in the room have been busy making lists to all the people they need to remember to buy gifts for. Mom, dad, brother, sister, grandma, grandpa, dog, cat, hamster, in-law, neighbor, co-worker, teachers, their angel tree kid. Who am I forgetting? In the days leading up to the first Christmas and the nativity of our Lord, Emperor Augustus wants to make a, a list of his own. Uh, Jesus' parents, along with the whole world, the scripture says, are instructed by the emperor to make sure their name is on a census list. The emperor wants to count the whole world so that he knows how many people he can tax to fund a growing military budget. This registration was taking place when Mary is very pregnant, probably her third trimester. And unfortunately, the Roman Empire doesn't take a doctor's note for pregnant or nursing women. So despite the inconvenience, Mary and Joseph go to Bethlehem to the city of David where the prophesied Messiah is to be born. So think about that. So even as this census is inconvenient for Mary and Joseph, even as it is evidence of a, an oppressive Roman government, God still manages to use it for his own purposes to accomplish salvation on earth. The census gets Mary and Joseph to Bethlehem, the birthplace of the much-anticipated Messiah. This move emphasizes the Judeo-Christian belief that there is nothing, there is nothing outside of God's reach. God is sovereign. God can turn our biggest messes into something beyond our wildest dreams, a truth that is fully revealed and completed in Jesus. As the story of Jesus' birth moves forward, we learn that there are things outside the reach of even the Roman Empire. There are things in this world that even, even the mightiest can't control. Jesus is born outside uh, the reach of the census workers. He isn't born in a hospital. He doesn't receive a birth certificate. Jesus, the Son of Man, the Son of God, doesn't appear on any official list. Now for us, that should tell us that even the worst kind of evil in this world is finite and temporary and can only extend so far it will come to an end no matter how horrific. Whereas there isn't any part of this world where God's love cannot reach and redeem. The announcement of Jesus' birth is made by a heavenly host. Uh, the Greek actually says a heavenly army. Uh, and this army isn't armed with a sword or a spear but with the good news of a Savior. The news of a Savior that promises to bring peace to a war-torn planet, not by the threat of military force, but by the promise of love. The news of this Savior is presented to a group of shepherds whose job it is to count sheep and hopefully not fall asleep. Like the Savior of the world, they too are undocumented, unregistered, 
they too are outside the reach of the empire. God enters this world on the outskirts of town when nobody's looking. Likewise, that's how God often enters our own lives, isn't it? In the shadows, in the places we least expect to find God. God in Christ, however, does not intend to remain in the shadows. Eventually, Christ the King will take his place on his heavenly throne, where he will reign over all the earth forever and ever. And now the church celebrates this Christ the King on the last Sunday of the church year, which is like Thanksgiving, so don't worry. Um, we have almost a year. We have almost a year to learn and accept this newborn king as the ruler and savior of our lives. We have almost a year to experience this Christ through the word and sacrament as administered through the church. Now, keeping, in this, mind, keeping this in mind, it makes sense to celebrate Chris, Christmas on the heels of the winter solstice. Christmas in the northern hemisphere, after all, coincides with the gradual return of light to the world. Uh, believe it or not, the days are actually starting to get longer again, all the way until mid-June. Now imagine how disorienting it would be if you woke up tomorrow, and it wasn't Christmas Day, but June 21st. Uh, one, uh, uh, you might uh, think about it this way. Uh, you're, you're at a movie theater, it's the middle of the day, and you come out and the sun is shining brightly. Uh, it, 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 it'll blind you, right? When you've been sitting in the darkness for so long and you come out to light, it will blind you. As attested to in the Old Testament, no one can see the face of God and live. God's truth is too powerful to absorb all at once. Uh, before his death, Jesus says to his disciples, there are certain things you still can't bear to hear, but I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit and he's going to guide you into all truth. You are going to grow into the truth. So unless you're like St. Paul, most of us don't meet God when we are blinded by the risen Lord on the road to Emmaus. For most of us, our relationship with God and the truth that God is revealing starts in a manger in the little town of Bethlehem. It starts with a baby. So in a very real way, this encounter with God in a manger is an invitation to grow up with God. Our relationship with God doesn't start off with a full-fledged commitment to follow Him as our Lord and Savior, but it starts with a kind of a genuine curiosity, that curiosity that led the shepherds to leave their flocks to go to that stable that first Christmas night. Now, as we grow up with God, we develop a relationship with God. And as we develop a relationship with God, we grow to learn about what God hopes for and what God dreams. And the more we learn about God's hopes and dreams, the more we want to help God achieve these hopes and dreams. Now, the clearest picture that I can think of about God's hopes and dreams are captured best in Jesus' Beatitudes. In the Beatitudes, Jesus makes a list. Jesus makes a list of those who are blessed in God's eyes. And on this list, he counts those most of us would likely not call blessed. Those who most of our earthly censuses will call estimates, right? Through the listing of the Beatitudes, we learn that God wants to create space in this world for the weak and the vulnerable and forgotten to be loved and valued and celebrated. And when this happens, God says the kingdom of heaven will be there. And this heavenly kingdom will threaten the existence of our earthly kingdoms, not by the announcement of a military, uh, 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 military force, but by the announcement of another more powerful force, the force of love. A love that is born in the face of a child who has no home except a manger. A child who will make a home for us through his own body that is broken for the sins of the world. Like Santa Claus on Christmas Eve, 
Jesus is tiptoeing into the world and into our homes unnoticed and undetected by pretty much everyone except those whom this world too easily forgets, the ones who will be first in the kingdom of heaven. Now, it's not that Jesus is hiding from the rest of us. It's just that the rest of us have so much going on that we hardly notice his presence. We have so much on our plates, so much on our to-do list, that when Jesus does show up, we might not see him. Now, it would be tempting to start to make room for Jesus in your life by starting to take things off your plate that don't fit. From a practical and theological point of view, I'm not sure this is going to work. God is the one who initiates our salvation, not us. Think about it like this instead. Imagine God hands you a baby tonight and says, take care of this child, feed this child, clean this child, make sure this child is breathing, make sure this child is alive. I guarantee you the other things that you thought were important on your list will fall off, right? Your life will be radically reoriented in a way that you could never have predicted or planned when, when God hands you a baby. Uh, many are told that they will never get around to having children if they keep waiting to get their life in order, their finances in order. Likewise, we will never get around to making make Jesus fit into our lives if we keep on waiting for the, the stars to align. You're never going to get done with the housework. You're never going to get done with all the projects. You're never going to have to stop going to the grocery store or the doctor or doing the laundry or spending time with family and friends. These things are always going to be on your list. So it's simply not about making room for Jesus right beside the grocery store visit in the gym. It's about prioritizing Jesus so that everything on your list is ordered by your relationship with him. So that all of your life, all of your words, all of your actions, all of your decisions are the result of knowing him. On Christmas, God is making room for us to have a relationship with him by giving us by giving us the gift of himself as a baby, Christ the newborn king. There's no place low enough, off the beaten path far enough, where God can't find us and draw us to himself. The shepherds were the first to know. So as you hear again, or maybe for the first time, the good news of salvation, I pray that you may be moved with the same kind of curiosity that moved the shepherds to leave their flocks, to leave their lists, to the manger on that first Christmas night. I pray that this curiosity give you the grace to let go of some of the things that are preventing you from knowing God, from preventing you from knowing the God who wants to know, who so much wants to know you, a God who prioritizes you. Unlike the emperors of this world, you are not just another number or constituent to God. Isaiah says, God has called you by name, you are mine, a truth extended to the whole world in Jesus. God wants to know you so that you may become a part of God's force of love that is saving the world, a love born in Bethlehem, a love born in Christ, the newborn King. Amen.